Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Slow Patrol, Jesus 911, two man car, Jess Romero, Paul Clay. A lot of things happening today. The month of October is the month of the Holy Rosary. I hope you pray your rosary today. And most especially, we should be praying our rosary today because the U.S. bishops and the Latin uh, patriarch of the West over in, uh, in Jerusalem, they've called today for a day of prayer, a day of fasting, and a day of penance. Today, October 17th, it's a day of prayer and fasting called for by the Latin patriarch of Jerusalem, Cardinal Pizabaya. He's asking for a worldwide uh, day of fasting, prayer, and abstinence for Catholics today. So as Catholics, make sure you do something extra today. Uh, yes. Today I'm going to go and, and do a holy hour later on this afternoon. I did one yet. I always do my holy hours on Monday, my weekly holy hour. So I'm going to do an extra one today. I'm going to do extra prayers today. I'm going to pray an extra rosary today. And so do something today to, to try to bring, to merit the grace of God's peace over here in the Holy Land and even in America, because we're not at peace right now as well. Uh, so what's on the rundown today? Today on the rundown, we're going to be talking about a very holy priest in San Francisco, <clears throat> Father Elo, and, he, and he's begging Pope Francis for moral clarity. Uh, this, uh, you could just hear the, the heart of a son to a father when we share this article with you. Also, on the rundown, we're going to be talking about uh, Pope Paul VI. He wrote a document on the reception of the Holy Communion. Um, it, it, we'll share the document. As you read it, in my opinion, I wish he would have been stronger, and I wish he would have went further with it. Uh, I'm glad he said what he said, but I sure, I sure, it, it, it opened up the Pandora's box, I would say, to ambiguity by uh, by not being as strong as he could have. So we'll look at that document as well, because most people don't even know that it's been written. And also today is the feast day of St. Ignatius of Antioch. Uh, died in 107 AD. He was a bishop and martyr. He's one of the most important bishops in the early church. He was uh, he died in the Roman Colosseum in the second century. He was born in Syria. Uh, while in prison, he wrote seven letters to the seven, telling Catholics, don't bust me out of jail. That's what he's basically saying. Don't bust me out of jail. I want to die in the mouth of a lion. I want to, I want to be the wheat uh, of Christ in the mouth of a lion. The man was the epitome of humility. He's also the, the, the young boy in Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 to 4, that Jesus took from amongst the crowd and put him in front of him and told the apostles, if you want to get to heaven, you've got to have the faith of a child. According to the fathers of the church, that little child was Ignatius of Antioch. So we're asking him to pray for us. Paul, well, let's just jump right into it. Let's talk about Father yep. Elo. You have any comments you want to make before we start with the rundown? No, nope, just asking for some prayer. Uh, my son, is uh, he's been deployed out there to the Middle East. So if you're out there listening, and uh, let's keep the prayers going for our troops. And I ask that God would uh, guide them and protect them. Let's do oh, it right you know, now. Yeah. We'll do it right now. We'll pray the Ave Maria for all yeah. the young men that have been deployed overseas, specifically Paul's son. Nomini Patri, Filii, Spiritus Santi, Amen. Ave Maria, gracia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu mulieribus, benedictus frutus ventis tu Jesus. Santa Maria, Mater Dei, 
ora pro nobis pecadoribus nunc et in remortis nostre. Amen. Gloria Patri, Filio, Spiritu e Santo, sicudere in principio e nunc et semper et in secula, seculorum. Amen. Amen. St. Michael, St. Raphael, St. Gabriel, uh, protect them and pray for them. Amen. Yes. Thank you. All right, Paul. So we got a, a priest to a pope. Uh, he says, his name is Father Joseph Elo. I know him. He's a Catholic priest in the Diocese of San Francisco. He published an open letter accusing the Pope of hurting his parish by promoting homosexuality and urging him to preach the gospel clearly. <clears throat> he says this, and he's a holy priest. I know who he is, and uh, this, this, this is the type of language that he would use. He says, My Papa Francesco, this is a priest to, a, to the Pope, I must tell you, that you are making my job as a parish priest difficult, wrote Father Joseph Elo of the Star of the Sea Parish in the letter dated October 6th. Father Elo says, I am writing to you in the spirit of parhesia, a biblical word you have used several times to encourage us to speak freely, boldly, and without fear of disagreement. The priest said, Please receive the following words freely, not from Rome, but from the peripheries, from a simple parish priest. Mm. Father Elo noted that he now works in, quote, in one of the declining parishes of San Francisco, California, a city that prides itself in having evolved beyond faith in God, close quote. Father Elo says, in my city, the faith is openly mocked and attacked. And my parishioners are struggling to believe in Jesus. Most of their family members, friends, and co-workers have abandoned the Christian faith, Father Elo described. My parishioners are clinging to the simple truths of our faith, especially the church's teachings about the human person, close quote. But Father Elo said that Pope Francis' position of homosexuality has harmed his flock and made his work as a pastor very difficult. Paul, you want to pick it up from there? Yes. <clears throat> you have said that two men cannot marry and that homosexual acts are wrong, but you are also encouraging bishops who bless same-sex unions, the priest said. He related the story of a woman from his parish who entered into a same-sex marriage and underwent mutilating transgender surgeries grieving her mother. A female student from my parish who attends a Jesuit-owned university married another woman according to United States law. She later surgically removed her breasts and uterus to appear like a man. She hates her mother for raising her Catholic and her mother grieves the loss of her daughter and grandchildren. The young woman Father, and I believe it's pronounced Ilo, Jess. Father oh, Ilo okay. told, Ilo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. told Francis, points to you, Holy Father. Uh, she says you permit blessings for homosexual unions in Germany and that you favor priests and cardinals who promote homosexual relations. She knows that you have appointed a European cardinal who promotes homosexual unions to lead the synod, he wrote. Mm. Mm. Pope Francis has indeed allowed bishops in Germany and other countries to approve blessings for same-sex unions without penalty 
and refused to stop the German bishops, synodal way, which endorsed same-sex blessings and repudiated Catholic teaching against homosexuality and gender ideology. The Pope also regularly promotes dissident pro-LGBT clerics like Cardinal Robert McElroy of San Diego, pro-LGBT activist priest Father James Martin, SJ, and Cardinal Victor Manuel Fernandez, the new Vatican doctrine chief, who has signaled openness to homosexual blessings. Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerich, SJ, of Luxembourg, who Francis appointed the realtor general of his synod on synodality, has said that he believes church teaching on the sinfulness of sodomy is false. You are spiritual father, Papa Francesco. Please know that you are hurting me and hurting my parish. Father Ilo, uh, Father Ilo charged, imploring him to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ clearly in a time of great confusion and hurt. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You want to pick it up, Jess? He says, this is Father Ilo. Thanks for, uh, thanks for, for correcting me. Mm. You're right. It, it, it is not Ilo, Ilo. <laughs> he says, Father Ilo says, we need you to, so Father Ilo is writing to Pope Francis. We need you to teach the simple truth of the first book of the Bible, that God made us male and female, and for this reason, a man clings to his wife, and the two become one flesh. If you do not teach this clearly, we parish priests cannot evangelize our people well, and all the people suffer. Close quote. Pope Francis has taken a permissive approach to LGBT ideology throughout his papacy, and repeatedly contradicted Catholic teaching on sexuality resulting in widespread confusion about LGBT issues within the church. I just want to make one comment. Our Lady of Fatima said <clears throat> that more people will go to hell uh, because of the violations of the Sixth and Ninth Commandment. Those are the both mm. commandments that deal with sexual sin. And I can mm -hmm. just imagine how many people have been justified or confirmed in their sexual sin because of Pope Francis's weak statements. I can just imagine... And these people's souls will be laid on his account, will be rendered on his account, according to the prophet Ezekiel chapter 3. I continue. Um, Pope Francis has uh, taken a permissive approach to LGBT ideology throughout his papacy and repeated... Okay, I already read that. In a letter released by the Vatican last week, the Pope appeared to authorize priests to bless homosexual unions based on pastoral prudence. What? The Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, uh, run by Cardinal Fernandez, who wrote a book on kissing, the mystical art of kissing. Uh, the CDF, however, unequivocally condemned same-sex blessings as illicit in a 2021 statement declaring that God does not and cannot bless sin. <laughs> We're going to be going to the next segment. We'll continue with this. It's interesting. So the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith two years ago says, and it's always maintained, that homosexuality uh, is a sin. You can't bless it. And now in 2023, that's been lifted, apparently. What happened? We'll come back to this article talking about this brave Catholic priest. God bless Father Ilo. God bless you, Father, for your boldness. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. 
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. St. Ignatius of Antioch, pray for us. It's his feast day. What an incredible saint. Uh, Somebody who, uh, I mean, any Catholic man that reads a story would be incredibly inspired. Talk about against all odds, walking into the Roman Colosseum and facing off all your 70,000 people that hated Christ and hated the church. And you stand Mm -hmm. there as a bishop uh, rebuking all of them and, uh, and, and, and watching the lions come at you. And you know, and you know what your fate's going to be. We're talking about father Ilo, kind of another (laughs) Bishop Ignatius of Antioch, another brave priest, a man with courage, a man with valor, a man who's, who has a, a heart of Christ, a heart full of love, but he speaks boldly. Here's what he says here. And then I want some comments from Paul, myself. He says, uh, Pope Francis has taken a permissive approach to, no, we, Pope Francis has also endorsed same-sex civil unions on several occasions in explicit contradiction to Catholic doctrine, which teaches that laws granting legal recognition to homosexual unions are gravely unjust. And the pontiff has promoted numerous LGBT activist groups and events, including conferences organized by Father Martin and that have featured heretical pro-LGBT speakers, such as psychologists who provides mental health letters for transgender chest and genital surgeries. In 2020, Pope Francis praised Argentinian Sister Monica Astorga Cremona, known as the nun of the trans, who runs a complex of, of apartments for men who claim to be women and their sexual partners, in a letter to Cremona, he referred to her gender confusion male clients as your girls. The Catholic Church teaches that all sexual activity outside of marriage is gravely sinful and that homosexuality is disordered, an intrinsic moral evil and a sin that cries to heaven in accordance with sacred scripture and the constant tradition of the church. Uh, I'll tell you, Cardinal Burke, uh, Cardinal Mueller condemned Pope Francis' support for same-sex blessings and communion for adulterers. I'm, gl- I'm glad to see those two stalwart cardinals are standing up. Uh, we also know that um, the Catholic priest, Father Mark Goring from Canada, he's another brave Catholic priest. He's also rebuking the bishops, any bishops that endorse uh, the blessing of sinful relationships. He's, he's, he, this Catholic priest in Canada is calling them to repent. Uh, mm. And all, and also, I can tell you that James White, the famous Protestant apologist, he's uh, having a field day with this. He's all over the internet, uh, basically exposing this uh, this heresy, this heresy mm-hmm. uh, that's coming from the the top of the food chain in the Catholic Church. And James White and other Protestant apologists I've been listening to are having a field day on YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 also. Uh, in the past, the Pope has invited this notorious pro-LGBT priest, Father Radcliffe, to be a key voice for the synod of synodality. And so uh, all I can say is uh, we get the leaders that we deserve, Paul. Yeah. Yeah, Jess, tough times right now for the church. Um, you know, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day, Jess, and he was very frustrated. And I told him, I says, listen. I get it. There has been a lot of scandal in the church, uh, but do not be scandalized by other people's sins. You see, uh, if you allow somebody else's sins to cause you to, let's say, leave the church, 
to abandon ship. Well, that's exactly, exactly what the devil wants, uh, Jess. He wants us off the bark of Peter, and he'll and you know, and he'll stop at nothing to make that happen. Um, you know, listen, James White. You know, like you said, he's having a field day uh, with this because why? It makes it makes the Catholic Church look bad. But here's we have to make our voices louder than James White because guess what? Uh, the 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 uh, the perennial teachings of the Catholic Church have not changed, as you always always point out. Right. Uh, we have had bad prelates in the past. Uh, we know even that, bad popes, uh, even bad popes. Yes, yes, and we know as as an example, it says that Satan entered into Judas. You know, uh, here's one of the apostles of Christ, handpicked by Christ Himself, and yet Satan enters into Judas. Uh, we know that when Peter made the declaration, uh, "Lord, never, never will you go to the cross. We won't let you die, Lord." And what did he say? What did the Lord say, Jess? Get behind me, Satan. Yeah, we have to understand that just because somebody may be occupying a chair, it does not mean that they do not have to be faithful to um, the teaching of Mother Church, the teaching that uh, literally we have 2,000 years of saints. Uh, we have the guiding of the Holy Spirit that have locked in what Catholics are to believe. And if we happen to get somebody that... Uh, you know, says something different. And you know what? I'm not judging uh, uh, the Pope. That's God's job to judge the Pope on those issues. But I can tell you one thing, when he says something that doesn't agree with the Catholic faith, I'm going to speak the truth, but I'll speak it in love. But God is the one who is going to uh, sort it all out in the end. Uh, what we're supposed to do is pray for him. We need to pray for his conversion if, if, if possible. Uh, you know, if that's necessary, because um, uh, right now uh, his ambiguity is causing, uh, as Father so aptly put it, you know, he, he's hurting his church. He's hurting the church. Souls are being lost because of a lack of clarity. Yeah. And uh, it reminds me of, remember, the Pope is a bishop. He's the bishop of Rome. He's a brother bishop mm -hmm. to all the bishops in the world. And uh, I'm reminded of what Pope Pius XI said in a private audience. He said this, the church's worst persecutors have been her own unfaithful bishops, priests, and religious. Oh, you need to quote that one again. Yeah, Pope Pius XI in a private audience said, the church's worst persecutors have been her own unfaithful bishops, priests, and religious. Then he said, opposition from the outside is terrible. It gives us many martyrs, but the church's worst enemies are her own traitors. Pope Pius XI. Here's another one. Mm. St. John Chrysostom, doctor of the church, in his commentary on the Acts of the Apostles, he says, The soul of a bishop is for all the world like a vessel in a storm, lashed from every side by friends, by foes, by, by one's own people, by strangers. John Chrysostom says, I do not think there are many among bishops that will be saved, but mm. many more that will perish. St. John Chrysostom. Uh, it, is, uh, it is 
an office to be held with fear and trembling. Mm -hmm. I would also say this, that as Catholics, don't let anybody make you commit spiritual suicide. What is spiritual suicide? The devil wants to do everything he can to remove you away from contact with the Holy Eucharist, which is Jesus Christ here on planet Earth. And so he will do everything he can, scandal after scandal, to try to get you to separate from the bark of Peter, to try to get you to separate from that sacrament of salvation, which is the Holy Eucharist. And if he accomplishes that, if he, if you say, man, I'm out of here, man, I'm going to Calvary Chapel next week, I'm done with the Catholic Church, guess what? Then he's accomplished exactly what he set out to do, is to make you a non-Eucharistic Christian like James White and others, to move, remove you away from the medicine of immortality, the bread of life, the manna from heaven, the antidote against sin, holy viaticum. He wants to separate you from Jesus Christ. That's called spiritual suicide. Any Catholic that leaves the Catholic Church and goes to a non-Eucharistic Protestant denomination, what you've done is you've cut yourself off from the bread of life, from sanctifying grace, and what you've done, you've committed spiritual suicide, and Satan is laughing all the way to the bank. Guess what? Hypocrisy in the Catholic Church, even hypocrisy amongst its leaders, does not nullify the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen, brother. Well said. Well said. You know, uh, I like to add just that, listen, have, has anybody noticed or is it just me? Have you, uh, the whole world, there's unrest. Uh, the Middle East is, 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 is ready at any moment to just uh, uh, go all out war. Um, then we have the Ukraine issue going on. Uh, China has, you know, we know that, you know, they've been threatening um, uh, Taiwan. Listen, uh, if you don't see the correlation, you know, uh, the Bible says clearly that the church, Paul, Paul refers to the church as the Israel of God. Well, let's just look at for a second in the Old Testament when Israel violated the covenant of God because to whom much is given, much is required. Well, when they violated the covenant, God raised up um, he raised up pagan nations. He raised up the Assyrians in 722 BC. He raised up the Babylonians in 586 BC. And he used them to chastise his people. Well, I, you know, I just got to say that, listen, uh, we've been given a lot. We've been given, uh, we the church, uh, the, the mystical body of Christ have been given so much. We've been given uh, bread from heaven, our Lord his Eucharistic presence, and to uh, to not realize that, to not uh, fall down and worship uh, God, you know, as we as we were created to do. Well, if we don't do that, guess what? Uh, and, and I'm just not saying this. Uh, God uses war to punish, and uh, our, and Our Lady of what? Fatima, Our Lady of Fatima, reminded us of that in 1917. Yep. She actually yep. said, "War is a punishment from God." In one of her yep. messages, she repeated yep. what, what's in the Old Testament. Yep. So that's not that's not my opinion. If you have a problem with that, you know, then take it up with Our Lady because war is a punishment of God. And if my people who are called by my name, 
you know, will, you know, will turn from their wicked ways, you know, and, you know, and humble themselves and pray, right? That's, that's what's required. But we haven't turned from our wickedness. As a matter of fact, wickedness is on full display on planet Earth. Yes. And uh, go ahead, Jess, comment on that one. No, 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 you're <laughs> right. No, I'm liking what yeah. you're saying, you know. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's simple. It's, I like the way Scott Hahn puts it. He says this. When you, when you sin, it triggers because the sin is a violation against the covenant. And we're in the covenant with Christ, the final and perfect yes. covenant. So when you yes. sin... What happens, it triggers covenant judgment. And that's mm -hmm. what's happening right now. Our infidelity to our covenant with Jesus Christ as a church and individually is triggering the covenant curses of God. It's happened in yes. the Old Testament with Adam, yep. Noah, Abraham, uh, Moses, David, yep. and now the yep. final and perfect covenant. Every time we sin individually and nationally, and especially through our patriarchs, we're triggering the covenant judgments of God. And we're yes, entering indeed. into damnation history instead of salvation history. We'll be right back. Two man car, Jesus 911. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, Dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. Paul, we're going to move on to another topic on the rundown here. Uh, but uh, do you have any parting comments on the uh, Father Ilo's letter to Pope Francis? Yeah, Jess, uh, listen, um, I know there are those that might say, um, hey, uh, you guys are way too critical of the Pope. Hey, but here's the reality. The reality is this, Jess, would be that we would obey God rather than man. Yes. That is, that, uh, that has to take the priority. And um, uh, listen, uh, it's a, it's a challenge. Uh, like you said, we're supposed to uh, pray even for our enemies in the church, let alone, of course, we're supposed to pray for the Holy Father, Jess, but um, we really, really, really have to, at this point in time in history, we have to cling to the cross. We have to cling to what we know to be true. Um, that's my final comments. Yeah, good comments. I uh, agree 100%. Paul, we're going to move on to another topic. Pope Paul VI, back in 19, May 29th, 1969, he wrote an instruction on the manner of distributing Holy Communion. It's called Memoriali Domini. It's on the manner of distributing Holy Communion. I'll read it. Uh, some of the, the, the I, I highlighted some of the red parts, some of the more important parts. Okay. And then I'll give you my assessment at the end. Paul will give you his assessment as well. So here's, here's kind of the highlighted things that I put here. Uh, the pages of history show, this is Pope Paul VI, show that the celebration and receptions of the Eucharist have taken various forms. I'm going to jump down another. Further, a change has taken place in the discipline governing the laity's participation in the sacrament. Holy communion under two kinds. Bread and wine has been reintroduced. It, it had once been common in the Latin church too, 
but had subsequently been progressively abandoned. This state of affairs had become general by the time of the Council of Trent, which sanctioned and defended it by dogmatic teaching as being suited to the conditions of that time. Third paragraph. Uh, the, at the same time in recent years, a fuller sharing in the Eucharistic celebration through sacramental communion has here and there evoked the desire to return to the ancient usage of depositing the Eucharistic bread in the hand of the communicant, he himself then communicating, placing it in his mouth. Let me mention something about that sentence there because I have done a deep dive and deep research on this and so has others, so have others, okay? Taylor Marshall and many others, we've done a deep dive into this, uh, the fact that people say, well, we're just going back to the way it was done in the early church. Okay, so here's mm-hmm. the evidence when you look when you look it up. There are six early church fathers that comment on how to receive Holy Communion. All of them except one. All of them say that the reception of the Holy Communion is in the tongue. Except one, St. Cyril of Jerusalem. When you read that document, most scholars, most historians... They question the veracity of that document. They Mm. question if it's a forgery. So you only have out of six church fathers, all five say you receive communion in the tongue. One says you receive in the hand. And that uh, document by St. Cyril of Jerusalem is questioned by some of the, the clearest thinking historians in the Catholic Church. And I'll tell you why it's questioned. Because it says things that no Catholic would do. For example, St. Cyril in that document that most of us believe is a forged document. He says, mm-hmm. when you receive Holy Communion in the hand, he says, you, you make a throne with your hand. Okay, so far, so good. You cup your hands, make a throne. And then he says, and then you receive the sacred species and you bless your eyeballs with the sacred species. And then you bless your ears with the Holy Eucharist. And so, and also... Uh, it, it says things that the that Catholics have never done before. This is mm-hmm. why when you do a, a historical analysis of that document, most historians, most biblical scholars say, mm, doesn't pass the test mm-hmm. of, of authenticity because no, no church father, no saint, no doctor, no pope ever told us to receive the Holy Eucharist and start blessing our eyeballs right there at Holy Mass and blessing your ear at Holy Mass. And so I'll I'll, I'll continue with the document. It says, Indeed, in certain communities and in certain places, this practice has been introduced without prior approval, having been requested of the Holy See and at times without any attempt to prepare the faithful adequately. It is certainly true that ancient usage once allowed the faithful to take this divine food in their hands and to place it in their mouths themselves. Okay, I already gave you the history behind that. Uh, Now... now, notice the way the Pope just said here, Paul, that some people are introducing this with prior approval. Here's what mm-hmm. happened. The Belgian bishops and the, and the bishops in Holland and Netherlands, they basically started saying, hey, the Protestants receiving the hand, you know, we want, we're going to start giving our people communion, Holy Communion in the hand. Well, yeah, the Protestants receive bread. We receive the body of Christ. So the Holland and Belgian bishops started throwing a hissy fit and they began this pastoral practice on their own accord, on their own power, their own authority, 
Rome got a hold of it and tried mm-hmm. to try to try to stamp it at down. But Pope Paul VI just again, he wasn't known for strength, Paul. He wasn't known mm-hmm. to be, you know, he wasn't known to be very courageous. Yeah, uh, again, he just he just lacked that. He lacked the ability to call these bishops in Holland and Belgium, say, knock it off or you're fired, kind of like yeah. uh, The Apprentice. He didn't, that wasn't the way he operated. And don't ask me why. It's, okay, God already dealt with him, but we'll continue. It says, It is also true that in very ancient times, they were allowed to take the Blessed Sacrament with them from the place where the Holy Sacrifice was celebrated. This was principally so as to be able to give themselves viaticum in case they had to face death for their faith. That's a true statement because Mm -hmm. you can see, for example, the story of St. Tarsisius, who was given the Holy Eucharist by the Pope himself, put in a handkerchief, and he says, go to the Roman prisons and give this to the Catholics. They won't suspect that you're taking the Holy Eucharist. And so this is something that did happen in the early church. Lay people were commissioned by priests, bishops, and popes to take Holy Communion to those that were locked up in prison, prison during the, uh, the persecution under the ten wicked Roman emperors. We continue. Mm-hmm. Soon the task of taking the Blessed Eucharist to those absent was confided to the sacred ministers alone. That's the, that's the clergy. So as the, better, so as the better to ensure the respect due to the sacrament and to meet the needs of the faithful. So the article saying after the Roman persecutions, you know, we went, we went over just to allowing the priest to take Holy Communion to the faithful because we're, we're no longer under persecution. Thus, the custom was established of the minister placing a particle of consecrated bread on the tongue of the communicant. The method of distributing Holy Communion, Pope Paul VI says, must be retained, taking the present situation of the church in the entire world into account. Not merely because it has many centuries of tradition behind it, but because it expresses the faithful's reverence for the Eucharist. The custom does not detract in any way from the personal dignity of those who approach this great sacrament. It is part of that preparation that is needed for the most fruitful reception of the body of the Lord. That's probably the best paragraph that he wrote so far. He says, Mm -hmm. This reverence shows that it is not a sharing in ordinary bread and wine, that is involved, but in the body and blood of the Lord, through which the people of God share the benefits of the Paschal sacrifice, renew the new covenant, which God has made with with man once for all through the blood of Christ, and in faith and hope, foreshadow and anticipate the eschatological banquet in the kingdom of the Father. That's kind of high lofty language. Most people won't even understand that. Then he Mm -hmm. says, it removes the danger of the profanation of the sacred species in which, in a unique way, Christ, God, and man is present, whole, and entire, substantially and continually. Good statement. Then he goes here towards the end, and uh, even the bishops took a vote on this. Check this out. It says, so, three questions were asked of the bishops back in 1969. So, all the bishops of the world were asked this. Do you think that attention should be paid to the desire that over and above the, the traditional manner, the right of receiving Holy Communion on the hand should be admitted. 597 bishops said yes. 1,233 bishops said no. Uh, 315 bishops said yes, but with reservations. So the majority of the bishops, even back in 69, says, nope, don't change it. Number second question was asked of the bishops. 
Is it your wish that this new rite be first tried in small communities with the consent of the bishop? This new rite, in other words, giving communion in the hand. Uh, 751 bishops said yes. 1,215 bishops said no. And invalid votes were 70. I'm not sure what that means. Number three, third question that was asked back in 1969. Do you think that the faithful will receive this new rite gladly after a proper catechetical preparation? 835 bishops said yes, 1,185 bishops said no, and the invalid votes were 128. Last thing I'll mention mm. here, then we'll talk about it the next segment. From the returns, it is clear that the vast majority of bishops believed that the present discipline should not be changed, Pope Paul VI writes, and, if, and that if it were, the change would be offensive to the sentiments and the spiritual culture of these bishops and of many of the faithful. So Pope Paul VI admits that people don't want, the, the bishops don't want the change. Therefore, mm -hmm. taking into account the remarks and advice of those whom the Holy Spirit has placed to rule over the churches, in view of the gravity of the matter and the force of the arguments put forward, the Holy Father has decided, okay, this is a good not to change the existing way of administering Holy Communion to the faithful. Bingo, Pope Paul VI says, don't change it. And guess what happened in 1970? The liberals... Mm -hmm. Changed it. They yeah. basically, Paul. What 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 is it when uh when they go like this with the elbow like this? They go. What does that mean? Like yeah, like kind of up yeah. doors. Yeah. 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 That's what they up did doors. to him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll we're we're almost done with this. I want to get Paul's take on this. Uh, we'll be right back. Jesus nine one one. Yeah. Pope Paul the six came. He said in nineteen sixty nine, don't change it. Did the the bishop the liberals listen for the St. Gallen mafia? Not at all. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, just... Finish sharing with you the Pope's document, Memoriali Domini, Instruction on the Manner of Distributing Holy Communion. It was issued May 29th, 1969 by Pope Paul VI. And guess what? Uh, at the very end of the document, the Pope doesn't want to change anything. He wants to keep uh, the reception of Holy Communion on the tongue. The, the last thing I'll share is this, and I want to get Paul's comments. He says, The Apostolic See therefore emphatically urges bishops, priests, and laity to obey carefully the law, which is still valid, and which has been again confirmed. It urges them to take account of the judgment given by the majority of Catholic bishops of the right now in use in the liturgy of the common good of the church. And of course, the Catholic left never listens when they don't like what the Pope says. Uh, towards the end, this was entered, entered the, this was entered, anytime you see the word in the Acta Apostolica Sedis, that means the ordinary magisterium of the church. So this is, here's what's been entered into the ordinary magisterium of the church. Number one, the new method of administering communion should not be imposed in a way that would exclude traditional usage. I'll go to number four at the end. It says, with regard to the manner of administering the sacrament, one may follow the traditional method, which emphasized the ministerial function of the priest or deacon and having them place the host in the hand of the communicant, one may also adopt a simpler method, allowing the communicant himself to take the host from the ciborium 
In other case, the communicant ought to consume the host before returning to his place, and the minister's role, role will be emphasized by saying, by his saying, the body of Christ, to which the communicant responds, Amen. Uh, again, Pope Paul VI, th- this, is, this is again where he just opened the Pandora's box by allowing that, he, and, and point, point number four. Because he says, okay, I want everybody to receive communion in the tongue. And then in point number four, that was entered into the ordinary magisterium. He says, oh, but you know what? We could, you know, we could follow this method of one placing the host in the hand. So he undoes at the end of his, at the end of his instruction, he undoes what he said in the beginning. Point number five, no matter which method is adopted. See, so here he, in, in the body of, of, of this document, he says, no, communion in the tongue. This is what we want. This is what the bishops voted on. And then at the end, as he's giving seven bullet points, he's kind of going back on what he said. He says, no matter which method is adopted, point number five, one will be, one will be careful not to allow any fragment of the host to fall. So uh, at the end of the document, he's allowing for reception of communion in the tongue or in the hand. Number six, when the communion is distributed under both kinds, it is never permitted to, to place in the hands of the communicants' hosts, which have, burst first, which have first been placed in the blood of the Lord. In other words, that's called intinction. That's when a priest, uh, they, usually, they usually do this in the Eastern Catholic churches, that's normal, where they'll dip the body of Christ in the precious blood of Jesus, and then with a spoon, they feed you. The Catholic leans his head back, opens his mouth, and they feed you with a spool. That's, spoon, that's the way it's done in the Eastern Rites. So the, the, pope, the pope is saying... That's uh, that's never permitted, uh, you know, for you to do self-intention. Number seven, bishops who have been permitted to introduce the new rite of communion are asked to send a report to the congregation six months, hence, on the outcome. So the Pope is basically saying, okay, so we'll allow this on an experimental basis, then report back to me in six months. Guess what, Paul? It's 2023. Nobody's reported back to the Popes. Everybody just basically just uh, adopted this this uh, this practice and uh, and made it yeah. normative in the Catholic Church, and now we're paying the price because now the bishops yes. <laughs> are trying to have this Eucharistic revival across the country. It's simple. You want a Eucharistic revival? Go to the way <laughs> Holy Communion was received prior to 1969, and we will have oh, a yeah. U- Eucharistic revival. Go back to altar rails. Go back to everybody kneeling down. Go back to everybody opening, tilting their head back and opening their mouth like a child. Go back to only a priest or a deacon giving Holy Communion, and you'll have a Eucharistic revival in this country. Oh, I'm loving everything you're saying, Jess. <laughs> I'm done. Love it. <laughs> I, I'm loving everything you're saying. Hey, listen. Uh, uh, Lex Arandi, Lex Credendi, right? The law prayed is the law believed. Yeah. Listen, uh, there's a reason. we can. Uh, ever since these innovations have taken place, uh, what percentage of the faithful, or I should say the not so faithful, don't even discern the real presence of the Lord and uh, the sacramental presence of the Lord, Jess? I think 70%. I don't, yeah, 70%. Okay. You can see that these innovations brought about a colossal failure. Um, you know, um, and I... I think everybody saw the, the video or most people saw the video when uh, it was in Rome and the, the Muslim cleric uh, walked up to receive it. He was given communion in a hand. He just takes it casually and walks away with it. 
yeah, exactly. Mm. You know, you know, uh, that's brutal. And, yeah. And these are and these are, by the way, I think it was a bishop who who handed him our Lord. Uh, just betrayer, are, a betrayer. Yeah, yes. There are many who have lost the faith. OK, that's a fact. We shouldn't get discouraged because our Lord warned us that that people's love would grow cold. It's cold, folks. It's cold, uh, but it's okay because guess what? Um, uh, when it gets darkest, when it seems to be, you know, at, at the low point, that's when God, that's when God uh, steps in, and that's when. Uh, so, you know, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful through all of this, Jess, because th these are just opportunities for us to, to literally, uh, to 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 make a stand for Christ, to, to let them know that we love them, to proclaim the truth. Um, and I'm thankful, Jess, that you decided to take this on today because uh, you made some great statements. Uh, if you want to, if you understand who it is that you're staying, if you get on your knees before an earthly king, how much more before our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world? And you know, Jess, when the Novus Ordo masses came in, the first thing they did was rip up most of the altar rails, right? Yep. No more altar rails. Uh, this is all by design, folks. It's all by design. Yeah, because the altar rail is what really made, really separated the priest, the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies from the nave, from where the lay people sit. It's called the nave, taken from a naval battleship. And so... Just like in the Old Testament in the Temple of Jerusalem, there was a separation, a 200-pound curtain that separated the high priest from the Levite priest, and then the Levite priests were separated from the, from the Jewish laity. And so as Catholics, much of, our, much of our theology was barred from Old Testament, the Temple of Jerusalem, and that type of, that type of order and that type of hierarchy. Uh, Paul, even, even recently, prelates have, have realized uh, the disaster of receiving Holy Communion in, in, in the hand. Uh, in fact, it's Pope, Pope John Paul II in 1980, he wrote a document called In Estimabili Donum. April 17, 1980, Pope John Paul II said this, quote, It is not permitted that the faithful should themselves pick up the consecrated bread and the sacred chalice, still less that they should hand them from one to another. Has anybody mm. listened to that? Nope. Cardinal nope. Sarah, who was fired by Pope Francis, he was, uh, he, he was uh, the, 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 the cardinal that was involved for the Congregation of the Divine Liturgy under Pope Benedict XVI. He said, Cardinal Sarah says, his African bishop, very holy man, I hope he becomes our next pope, he says, Receiving communion in the hand is part of a diabolic attack on the Catholic faith. <laughs> Guess what? I agree with him. Yeah, Our Lady yeah. of Akita, Japan. Our Lady of Akita told Sister Sasagawa, to, told her to receive Holy Communion only on the tongue and never in the hand. That's Our Lady of Akita, Japan, 1973, approved apparition to Sister Sasagawa. Receive Holy Communion only on the tongue and never in the hand. How about this one from the angel at Fatima? Okay, The angel mm -hmm. that appeared to the three children at Fatima, 
he, he, he identified himself as the angel of peace. He held a chalice over, which was suspended, and then he, he had a host over the chalice in the air. And the drops of the precious blood fell, fell from the host onto the chalice, and the angel prostrated himself in front of the three kids at Fatima. He prostrated himself on the ground before the host and chalice that was floating in the air, and he repeated uh, the act of reparation three times. The angel then administered Holy Communion to the three children at Fatima as the children received on their knees and in the tongue. Hmm. What about St. Mother Teresa? St. Mother Teresa, she wrote this. She was open about this. She said, quote, Whenever I go in the whole world, the thing that makes me the saddest is watching people receive communion in the hand. Mm. I mean, wow. uh, how, mu- how much? These, these, we're, these are recent. These are recent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the, recent no, no, just, of, uh, of recent, we see bishops uh, and, and, and priests, other prelates, refusing, refusing to give people communion on the tongue, uh, literally walking away and scolding them. That's what we see of late. How the mighty have fallen, fallen Jess. Yeah. Yeah. How the mighty have fallen. Yep. But uh, once again, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's not forget that when we were baptized, we were baptized in Christ. We were not baptized yep. into a pope, a bishop, a cardinal, a pastor, a deacon, or a nun. And remember that uh, Romans eleven thirty six through him, with him, and in him, through Jesus, with Jesus, and in Jesus. It doesn't say through the Pope, with the Pope, and in the Pope. We weren't baptized in the Pope. We don't have the, the Holy Spirit of the Pope. We don't, uh, and I say this not disrespectfully. I'm just saying this because too many Catholics become papal auditors. You got to yep, watch yep. yourself. You, papal explainers. Y- yes. Yeah. We don't worship any man. Let's get that mm. right, Catholics. Yeah. Okay? We worship the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We pray for these men. We respect their office. We respect their authority. We know it's God-ordained, but they're, they're men. They're men. And sometimes men need to be corrected. Yes. Guess what? God never needs to be corrected. Paul, that's Amen, a wrap. Brother. I'm done. Last comment. Hey, brother. Yeah, brother, I'm just, I'm loving every word out of your mouth. And I hope the, the faithful out there listen and take, take it all in because uh, this is what it's come down to, Jess. That's right. Amen. Psalm 69, verse 2, God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Remember, the U.S. bishops and the Jerusalem bishop have called us to add some prayer, penance, and fasting today for peace in the world to end the war. So let's do something extra for Jesus today. All right, that's a wrap. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Keep the faith.